You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 8, Joseph's true identity revealed. We now come to the climax of the Joseph narrative. This is the second trip of the brothers to Egypt. Joseph has tested them in many ways to see if they were still the same scoundrels who sold him into slavery, expecting him to die in Egypt, or if they'd changed. Having heard the respectful and passionate appeal for mercy on behalf of Judah, offering to be a surety and substitute for Benjamin, Joseph is convinced. He has seen they are changed men. They care about Benjamin's and their father's well-being. Joseph's been holding in his emotions till now but he cannot do it any longer. He wants to speak to his brothers privately, so he shouts in his language, Have everyone leave my presence. This would include his interpreter, which must have made his brothers wonder when they saw everyone scatter. Then, as we've seen earlier, Joseph is a very emotional man. He is not ashamed to weep. Earlier, he went away into a private place to weep, to keep up the act, but now he weeps openly and loudly, so loudly that everyone in his household can hear it. Then they even tell Pharaoh's household about it. They can't make sense of what they're hearing. Then in Hebrew, Joseph addresses his brothers. I am Joseph. Is my father still living? One would think he probably should have paused between those two phrases to give them time to react to the news first. The men are speechless, unable to answer his question about their father, And the reason is given, because they were terrified at his presence. Joseph clues into the reason for their fear. They can't believe this intimidating governor of Egypt is their little brother. The one they despised, hated, abused, and sold into slavery is now a powerful ruler who holds their lives in his hands. So he invites them in for a closer look. They inch closer to him. Then he says, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And this is the moment they realize it must be true. The only people that knew that they sold Joseph into Egypt were Joseph, themselves, and the slave traders. Also, realize that this is the first time Benjamin is hearing this news. What must he think of them? Yet look at Joseph. Instead of being vengeful or angry at them, he comforts them. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. How can he say that? On what basis can he be forgiving and gracious and kind to them? Because in 22 years, he's had time to think. Time to realize that this is bigger than one dysfunctional family dynamic. These events, all these events, good and bad, were planned by a sovereign God. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Here we see how practical theology is. What we believe about God either sustains us or breaks us. Knowing God was sovereign allowed Joseph to lose any bitterness and anger he felt towards his brothers. On a personal note, when my husband had cancer in 1998, the concept of the sovereignty of God, which we'd always believed, moved from theoretical to practical. We knew his cancer didn't take God by surprise, and that because he brought us to it, he'd bring us through it. And he did, and my husband is still with us, cancer-free, praise God. Now that they believe this is really Joseph, do they fear his wrath? 
Have they not been paying attention to his gracious behavior towards them up to this point? Then Joseph tells his brothers something they don't know about the famine. It's going to last longer than anything experienced before. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. This must have been another shock to them. It also gives us a time reference of 22 years, making Joseph 39 years old. He was 17 when he arrived in Egypt, 30 when Pharaoh promoted him, plus 7 years of plenty, plus 2 years into the famine equals 22. Then, a second time, he reminds them of the big picture. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you, for you a remnant on earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. The but links it to the famine. Even though there is a worldwide famine, God had sovereignly sent Joseph ahead of the rest of his family into Egypt to preserve them and to save their lives by a great deliverance. So the contrast between the bad news of the famine and God's good plan to save them is foremost in Joseph's mind. He sees it now. He may not have understood it when he was in the pit, or on his way to Egypt, or in the slave market, or in Potiphar's house, or in the prison, or even during the seven years of plenty. But once his brothers showed up on his doorstep and bowed before him as God had foretold him in those dreams, then it clicked. God would preserve the family line of Israel, through whom the Deliverer would come. He would also begin to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant that this family would be blessed and be a blessing to all nations. So in case they're still not getting it, he says a third time, So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Not them? Was he absolving them of responsibility in their crime? No, for we'll see later that he understands their intent was evil, Genesis 50:20. But the overarching plan of God was in view here. All of those things had to be in place for Joseph to be in Egypt, in prison in Potiphar's house, at the time that Pharaoh had his disturbing dream, after having interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh's servants, in order for him to be summoned and promoted when and how he was. The famine was in all lands, so that the brothers had to come to the only store that was open, Egypt. But even, but Joseph even attributes uh, at his promotion to God, not Pharaoh. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. The phrase father to Pharaoh refers to a title given to viziers unrelated to Pharaoh who counsel him. So these words father, lord, and ruler all relate to his status as Pharaoh's right-hand man. It's believed that at this point there is a new younger Pharaoh, Senusert III, who ruled during the years 1878 to 1841 BC. So unlike revenge stories like the Count of Monte Cristo, Joseph has no such intentions and doesn't even mention that he could have them executed if he so desired. His forgiveness is full and free of bitterness. All he's ever wanted was a restored relationship. Verses 9 to 13, Instructions, Get Going Joseph has been waiting for this day for decades. He can hardly wait any longer to be reunited with his father, so he tells them to get going. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. 
I'm sure Joseph would have rather showed up in person in Canaan to see his father's face when he saw Joseph back from the dead, but he had to remain in Egypt to do his job. So the next best thing was for them to go and get him and the rest of the family. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, your children and your grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. Just like after he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and immediately had wise counsel, we see Joseph has already thought about how he would care for his family, where they could live that would be best for them and allow him to see them often. They would still be living in Goshen at the time of the Exodus. Then, to show them that he has not only forgiven them in his mercy, he promises to provide for them because he is gracious. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. He had to remind them of the, uncert of the certainty of the famine continuing for five more years so their father would understand the need to come to Egypt instead of just hoping to ride it out. <clears throat> if they came to Egypt, they would not just survive, but thrive. Imagine, they're hearing him say all these things about the famine and God and their father and his promotion to power and his offer of care, and they still haven't uttered a word. Not even an, I can't believe it, this is happening. Nothing. So Joseph, who is dressed like an Egyptian, clean-shaven and wearing makeup, asks them to take a closer look. He challenged them to look at his features, his eyes, listen to his voice, hear him speaking their language, reminding them of something only he and they know. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. So only Joseph would know that only Benjamin and he shared the same two parents. The final instructions on what to tell his father. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Verses 14 to 15, the reunion. They are finally convinced this is Joseph. He has forgiven them. So not surprisingly, he throws his arms around his brother Benjamin in an embrace, and both of them weep. When Joseph had last seen him, he was only four years old. Now he is a 26-year-old man. Joseph had been so worried for his safety all, those, all these years, fearing he would be the next target of his brother's hatred once Joseph was gone. But now here he was and that he should be happy to see Benjamin and be able to touch him and speak to him unrestrained was not surprising. But what was surprising was that after they embraced, Joseph turned to the other brothers and kissed them all and wept over them. He truly loved them. It was only after all this that they were able to speak. They had a lot of catching up to do. Verses 16 to 23, Pharaoh's Instructions so Pharaoh's palace had already heard about the strange incident of Joseph weeping loudly. Now they knew the reason for it. Joseph's brothers had come to Egypt. Pharaoh and his officials were pleased. They no doubt expected they'd have 11 more men as capable as Joseph. So Pharaoh tells Joseph, tell your brothers, do this, load your animals and return to the land of Canaan and bring your father and your families back to me. I I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you can enjoy the fat of the land. 
So this was generous to let outsiders enjoy such a privileged place to live, but it was due to their connection to Joseph that they were so blessed. He also gave them carts from Egypt to use as transportation to return there. They were told to leave their belongings back in Canaan as they'd have everything they needed once they arrived. Then Joseph gave them carts loaded down with provisions for their journey. He also gave them new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave five sets of clothing and 300 shekels of silver. We already saw that the brothers were no longer envious when one was honored above the others. In addition to all this, Joseph sent ten donkeys loaded down with the best things of Egypt as a gift for their father, along with ten female donkeys, which would provide milk, loaded down with grain, bread, and other provisions for the return journey to Egypt. And all of this during a worldwide famine. They had brought gifts to him from their father. Now he responds with a superabundance of gifts in return. Verse 24, get along. They're packed up and ready to go. They are dressed in their Egyptian finery and they are quite the entourage as they journey back to Canaan. One parting word from Joseph as they leave, don't quarrel on the way. He knew his brothers. They would berate themselves for how they had treated Joseph. They would also have to explain the details to Benjamin who had just heard about what they'd done for the first time. They would also consider how they would break the news to their father, both the good news that Joseph was alive and the bad news of how he had come to be in Egypt. Verses 25 to 28. Jacob told Joseph is alive. They arrive in Canaan <coughs> with their own donkeys and 20 additional donkeys and carts loaded with gifts. They are dressed like foreigners. Their father would be happy to see that all eleven sons had returned home safely. But what do all these gifts mean? They tell him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. Imagine hearing those words, Joseph, alive, ruler over all of Egypt. No wonder he was stunned by the news and didn't believe them. They would understand how he felt because they were speechless when they found out as well. So they told him everything Joseph had said to them probably including a confession of what they did, although we aren't told that in the text. But because the evidence is in front of them in the carts, his spirit revived. Then Jacob is called Israel again, and Israel said, I am convinced. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So he thinks he will die soon, as his father Isaac wrongly thought, and then lived another 43 years. Jacob would live another 17 years in Egypt. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? Both Joseph and Jesus were conscious of God's sovereign plan for their lives and patiently waited on God's timing to fulfill his word. Joseph's brothers didn't recognize him until the second time, causing them to be troubled. Jesus' brothers, the Jews, did not recognize who he really was at his first advent, but they will at his second coming, causing them to weep. Joseph wept over his brothers. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Joseph revealed himself to his brothers privately. Jesus revealed himself to his disciples after his resurrection, 
and Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, works to regenerate a person privately, silently. After Joseph revealed who he was, he comforted them. After Jesus was raised from the dead and showed himself to the disciples, he told them not to be afraid. The awareness of our sins brings conviction and shame, but then, because of our relationship with Jesus, we are comforted by the good news of the gospel. Joseph invited his brothers to come close to him. Jesus invites us to come to him. Because of the cross, we who are far off, Gentiles, have been brought near. Joseph knew God had sent him so many people could be saved. Jesus knew God had sent him so many people could be saved. This intimidating ruler who held the power of life and death over them was also their brother who loved them. Jesus is the Lord of the universe and judge of all, but he is also our elder brother who loves us. Stephen spoke of this in his defense of his faith as he recounted the history of Israel in Acts 7.13. The brothers were responsible for their actions in selling Joseph to Egypt, even though it was part of God's plan to save them. And the people who crucified Jesus were responsible for their actions in crucifying him, even though it was part of God's plan. Both forgave those who wronged them, reconciled with them, and provided for them. Joseph kissed his brothers. Jesus kissed us with the cross, and mercy and peace have kissed each other. Psalm 85.10 After they were reconciled to Joseph, they talked with him. After believers, believers are saved, they enjoy fellowship and sweet communion with Jesus. Even the wicked actions of his brothers were the means of God blessing the world through Joseph. Even when wicked people crucified Christ and it seemed he was defeated, it was his moment of triumph and the means of blessing the world. Joseph's forgiveness is a type of the forgiveness we receive from Jesus in that he doesn't hold our sins against us, but sees God's plan behind it. And therefore, since we have received such great forgiveness, we ought to forgive others for lesser offenses. Can we see God's overarching plan working out all things for our good? The men were told not to worry about leaving their things behind because they would be provided for on their journey and they were going to greater riches. We can leave our worldly goods knowing he provides all we need in this life to bring us to himself and we are going to something much greater. Joseph's brothers were blessed by Pharaoh because of their connection to Joseph. Believers are blessed by God because of their connection to Jesus through faith. Benjamin was given more gifts because of his special relationship to Joseph. Jesus gives gifts and rewards to believers according to his relationship with them. They were told not to quarrel with one another because they were brothers who had been forgiven. Believers should not quarrel with one another, but should be forgiving, for we all have the same father. Jacob couldn't believe Joseph was alive until he saw the evidence. The disciples didn't believe Jesus was alive again until they saw the empty tomb and the grave clothes. Knowing that he was going to see Joseph, Jacob was content to die. Simeon was content to die once he had seen the Messiah. And knowing that we will see Jesus when we die, we can be content to leave this world. Selah. That's a word used in the Psalms after some comment about God and what he has done. It can mean amen or stop and meditate on that. 
and all these scarlet threads in the life of Joseph are just too many to ignore that he is a type of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Genesis chapter 46. May God bless the study of his word.